The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. All right, I like to say this, right? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in this world. Thank you for joining me on the uh, Fearless Happiness Podcast. This is Max. Uh, I have a very special guest today. His name is JC Castro. But what I like to do, you know, audience, is have him introduce himself. So, JC, uh, what I like my guests to do is introduce themselves to my audience, like who you are and what is it that you do. All right. Um, first, uh, Max, I want to thank you for, for you know, having me here. Uh, this is my first podcast. So, you know, I'm a little nervous, but... Uh, <laughs> You know, speaking to you for for those you know five minutes, I feel much much better. So, <laughs> awesome. uh, you know, like Max said, my my name is JC Castro. Um, Fifty four, grew up as piss poor as you could possibly imagine back in the day. Uh, um, I or I just recently overcame a really bad infection in my brain. Um, so I have a lot going on there, but. I'm right now a entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for years. I just moved to Jacksonville with my family and we're basically right now in the wholesaling, flipping, and we're getting right now into the short-term rentals as well. Oh, so you're in the real estate. Yeah, real estate game right now. I used to be a franchisee in the same, uh, you know, in, in the same company Omar was in before. <laughs> we I, don't like to say the name too often. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, Omar uh, speaks, speaks very, very highly of you, and I'm glad that you uh, thank you. Grace thank me with you. your He's a great guy. And became a guest because um, he spoke very highly of you. So what thank I like you. to do, um, uh, JC, is, okay, we're gonna, we'll start personally, and then we'll kind of work into professional, sure, right? Of yeah. So early on, right? Well, you just mentioned one thing, but early on, like growing up and stuff, like you said, poor, that's that's a challenge for anybody, right? Growing up poor, I, sure. I, I can relate. But so share with my audience some of those challenges that help shape you to be that the man you are today, right? Sure. Well, I think first and foremost is that when you're, um, when you're, you know, Hispanic, like uh, back in the day, all the neighborhoods were kind of together. You don't know what poor is. That's just the way that you grow up. So you actually get out of your neighborhood for the first time. You're like, holy crap, I I really am poor. <laughs> so I, right. you know, I mean, I just think at a very, uh, very early age, I just kind of knew that that's not the way that I wanted to be. Um, we grew up nine people in a three one that was about 800 square feet. I slept on the floor until I was 13, you know, and I'm like, man, you know, I, as I started to think for myself a little bit I think uh I said to myself there has to be a better way there just has to be something 
different than this, you know? So I think at an early age, it kind of fit in, but of course you don't really take action when you're a kid. So right. I just, I stayed that, you know, I hung out with the guys and played and, you know, had fun, but, uh, um, it was, you know, rough growing up. Everything was a hand-me-down. Uh, didn't really learn the value of money till I went to buy my very first pair of um, Nikes, Jordans. The very first pair, like back in the day, you know what I mean? You know, the white with the with the blue, you know, swoosh on it. I'm like, oh my God, I've been working since I'm 13, right? So, you know, I used to make $92 a week and give my mother 70 of it. You know, and just keep 22 bucks. So I'm saving my money and I go buy these sneakers. And I think back in the day, man, they were like 40 bucks. And I'm like, what? <laughs> so I'm like, all right, when you get older in life, you gotta have a little bit of money. You know, you just gotta. <laughs> so I think that's really how it started for me at a very young age, as far as, uh, you know, growing up poor and just not having anything and always having, honestly, always having the want to try to help other people because when you're poor, man, it really sucks. It really sucks to be that way for the for the vast majority of your life. Right, right. And you and I are the same age, so I know I had the white Jordans with the red mm-hmm. stripe, right? Because okay, those were my skate shoes, right? I'd skateboarding with those were like, as you know, back art. That was that was the best shoe you could get. Like everybody talking, <laughs> oh, they're awesome, right? right? And I and I know what you mean, right? Because I told my mom I want a pair of Jordans. She goes, you better get a job. <laughs> she goes i'll match whatever you come up with i'm like oh you, you don't you don't buy him for me She's like, no, you don't get a job but i was in high school so I, like you i think about how i grew up too right we didn't have a lot of, my mom was a single mom but she always you know they our parents did their best to take care of us right and make sure we had food in our bellies and um sure and and then i had an older brother who was 10 years older right so Every summer, my my mom was either you're in sports, and, and then my brother kind of knew he was like, hey, I'll just take them, me and my little brother, and I'll make them work with me, right? And uh, so every summer we'd work with my brother who was a carpenter, and even if it was nothing that we knew how to do, he'd maybe pick a spot and go, okay, I want you to go in that corner, and then he'd give us measurement, dig this hole, I want it this deep <laughs> by this wide by this long, and then you'd be yeah. all proud, right? Like you said, at 12, 13 years old, I did it. And then you go, yeah. okay, put all the dirt back in. And you're like, what? <laughs> but those are the things, like I, what I heard you say, though, right? You knew something in your head. You planted your own seed back then oh. where you said, things are going to be different for me as I get older. And I'm going to make sure that, you know, through helping others and stuff, what I hear that I'm going to do better for my family. So like, what else went on in those early days that led you to become an entrepreneur? I mean, I can I can pinpoint the day when I had a little, I guess at a young age, I had a flip. Um, I come from a large family. I have five siblings that are all older, six boys, uh, you know, and no girls, right? So being Hispanic and in that type of neighborhood, playing baseball was like a big deal, you know? So like the parents would get together on Sundays. I mean... Max, you know, I don't have to tell you, right? That's just the way it was back then, right? Right. And um, and I remember one Sunday I went and I asked my dad, hey, can we go play catch? And my dad looks at me and now my mom, my mother didn't work. I mean, God bless her with six kids, obviously, you know. So uh, my dad, you know, was trying to, you know, provide for the whole family, nine people. And I remember going into the room and he was watching, I'll never forget he's a big dallas cowboy fan and he was and he, he was watching him on tv and i sat next to him and i said hey, dad you know could we go out and play could we go throw the ball 
I think I'm only man, maybe like 11, 10, 11, because he was out of the picture like a year maybe after that. And I remember my dad looking at me and telling me, son, this is my only day off. I work 50, 70 hours a week to feed you guys and to put a roof over your head. So I, I didn't get mad. I didn't get, you know, I'm like, okay, I like to understand. And I remember walking out of my house. Max is the craziest thing. I remember walking out of the house, standing on my front porch, which was painted green, I guess I remember. And um, I remember telling myself, that's not going to be me. I cannot allow that to happen to me. They're, they're, that's just not who I'm going to be. I am going to be a better provider. And that was at a very young age. And I, I think that was definitely a defining moment in my life. And we all have moments like that, right? And we're, sometimes I wish I had like paid attention to those moments, right? But I'm like the... I'm like the guy that likes to run into the wall, right? Without a helmet and go, oh, that hurt. And then do it again, right? Oh, that hurt. Don't do that, Max, right? Then don't do it again, right? Oh, that hurt. Um, but, you know, it happens when it happens. And, right, obviously, I, I'm I'm grateful for you that you uh, realize that young, right? That this is, I'm going to do different than, right? Because I admit when I grew up, I mean, I saw my mom on the weekends, but during the week, rarely, right? Because she was always working, right? Or especially right. when we were little, she worked a lot of like swing shift jobs, right? So we were always at a family, you know, another a relative's house. Yeah. And then she'd right. pick yeah, us yeah. up in the middle of the night. Um, and, and that's a challenge, right? Uh, and my mom and dad were divorced young. So my challenge was looking, you know, up to the right guys for like as a father figure and stuff like that. And, you know, I have five older siblings also. And, uh, you know, like I said, the youngest one, 10 years older than me, right? But they already were left the house and, and had their own families, right. right? So, you know, and I don't know about you, but like you can, <laughs> so I don't know how my sister, you came from all boys too. My sister had five boys, right? And, oh, wow. <laughs> um, um, and I remember when we were young, we'd go stay with them, my sister and my brother-in-law for the summer. And they lived out in the middle of Death Valley, right? In the desert. Yeah. And, uh, um, you know, like some of the problem solving skills I learned from my brother-in-law, right. Or like, so <laughs> when me and my nephews or any of us were having issues, right. He would break out the boxing gloves and go, let's go in the backyard. Right. Oh, and he put the gloves, right. We'd go at it and then to the first one, either the first one quit or we both got tired and that was it. And it was done. <laughs> and then he'd make us shake hands and go, you guys. Okay. And I'm like, oh, yeah, we're, we're tired, bloody noses. <laughs> um, Right. And then I realized, like, I go, we can't always, you know, I can't go into a business. Hey, boss, you know, me and you got a problem. We're going to go in the back. We're going to go throw on some gloves. We'll, we'll knock it out for yeah. a little bit. Right. So, <laughs> you know, because when you mentioned that, it's just bringing up all these memories. So, but let me ask you, right. So you're, 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 you know, you make a decision when you're young. So now you're moving into adulthood, right? Like, what does those challenges look like? Um, as you start to get older and when you start to realize, right, we both know, like there's moments we go now our parents, now we get why our parents say certain or do yeah. certain things. Right. So what was those, what were those challenges like for you, Jason? Uh, well, I mean, I only, I only uh, went to school to 10th grade. So to be honest with you, um, I, I, I've been working the majority of my life. Right. But I remember, uh, being the last one in a home, all my brothers were leaving, obviously, as, as they get older. And I remember I moved at the age of 15. I told my mother, I'm moving to California, which I did with my oldest brother. I lasted one year. I got so homesick, Max. <laughs> and, and, and the worst part is a beautiful place, and I love it. But I just got homesick, you know? Right. 
you know, 15. Came back a year later, spent one night at my mother's house and moved in with my brother. And he told me, dude, you can stay here, but you better go get a job. <laughs> That's just right. the way it was. So I, I'm, I'm 54 and I think I have only had three or four W2 jobs my entire life. Oh, I wow. can't tell you I've been successful, but I found a way to survive, right? right. So um, first job I got was public. I'm bagging groceries. I you know, had to pay rent. I was sleeping on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, you just, uh, you know, as, as time goes forward, you're like, man, there, there, there has to be a better way because obviously I don't want to do what I'm doing now because nothing against public, but, you know, I want to advance, you know, advance in life. Uh, it probably wasn't until I was in my mid-20s when I started to really, um, I think for the first time in my life, it's kind of understand the value of money and maybe how to make a little bit, but I wasn't educated enough to know how to keep it. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I know, uh, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I went, you know, when you start making money, right. Um, I was a golf pro for 12 years for um, a while. I quit that because I tore up my knee like three times. So I gave up golf and um, my brother said, Hey, you want to get in construction with me? I'm like, Sure. That's what I've always wanted to do with do real estate. So I'm like, all right. Max, we started this business and in my first paycheck when I saw it, I'm like, like, man, that's that's more than a million, like a year and a half. <laughs> and my brother was laughing. It's like, I told you so much money to make out there. You you just don't know how to get your hands on it. You know, and I started making a lot of money and you know, uh bought the really big, nice fancy home and you know, two fishing boats and uh, four cars for a reason. I don't know because I can't drive all four of them. But you know, right. you live, I live in I live in a crazy exclusive part of Miami where my neighbor, and for his first two or three years of his NBA season, was Dwayne Wade. I was I was doing pretty good. So uh, went from there, and I was married at, at the time. Um, my ex wife wasn't somebody who. Now, when I think about a year later, that we really aligned our vision were. Instead of supporting me, she used to be against me because oh, wow. she couldn't understand how a guy with no education whatsoever was making like four times the money that she was. And I was fishing two or three days a week. Meanwhile, she was a nurse working 60 hours a week, although she loved her job. But she was complaining about me being home. So it's just, you know, whatever. We ended up getting divorced and I walked away from everything. My home was paid for. I walked away from a couple of million dollars. Business was still good. Right. Six months later, 2008, economy tanks. That, so affected, from, uh, that affected everyone in that business, right? When it came to homes, real estate, construction, everything. I used to have these huge contracts. I mean, I used to do, uh, I wasn't the, the main contractor. I was mainly a flooring and window uh, contractor, interior guy, right? right? But I used to work on the development, just huge. And we used to work for for Disney and the Marriott, uh, we grew, we scaled our business really fast. We did really good. Well, when the economy tanks like that, your phone stops ringing. I mean, it just stopped ringing. So make a long story short, I went from a one and a $1.7 million home that was paid for to a one bedroom apartment that about eight or nine months later, I couldn't get a job and I had to move in back with uh, my brother again. That's humbling. That is the most humbling experience I ever had in my entire life. Hands down. I, I, I can only imagine. I haven't been there yet, though. But when 
when you have that taste of success, right? Because the fruits of your hard work, right? That mm -hmm. wasn't handed to you, right? When you work that hard and you accomplish those things, right? And then things beyond your control, like the economy and, and things that other people yeah. did that, you know, because that was a time, right? When we saw people's 401ks getting taken away or being decimated, right? Foreclosures. Like, foreclosures yeah. right um and then like you said that had to be very very humbling to go hey bro can i move back in with you like what was that like at that time right because and i think you and i will agree right being an entrepreneur is not for the faint of heart right because you're going to go through like i've said on other podcasts like in other you know there's going to be those those top of the mountain. Yes, I'm doing great. And then yeah. the next day you could be down in the valley going, holy shit, how am I going to get out of this one? Right. <laughs> exactly. And, um, <laughs> right. And, and, and I've only been doing this for the last three years, right. Almost three years. It'd be three years in March where I, I said, I'm going to, right. I still have a nine to five that I love and I'm passionate about, but I'm, I'm slowly right. branching off and going to sure. do my own thing. Right. So tell us a little bit about that challenge of going, having to like, knocking hey bro uh can i can move back in can i have that couch again i, I and I, i'm laughing with you not at you because i've had i've no. done that i've done that in my recovery where i'm like i'm sober right and i'm doing the right thing and then i'm like but i can't even pay for a room to rent right so i'm sleeping on someone's right. couch so share with the audience that challenge right of having to humble yourself and you know eat crow a little bit maybe here and there and just do the do what you have to do you know i'll be honest with you at the end of the day, I think it, it was somewhat of a blessing. I'm going to tell you why, because I quickly figured out for all those years, even though I was making money and I was living well, my circle around me at the end of the day wasn't very good. They wanted to go to bars. They wanted to go hang out. They wanted to do this. Um, my brother, which by the way is crazy because I lost everything in 2008 and he got rich in, in 2008 because he did the opposite. He took all of his money and started buying homes for like 30 cents of a dollar. Now he owns like 18 homes. So he did the opposite of me, right? So here I am <laughs> knocking on the door. Hey, do you were 100% right. I should have invested my money like you told me to do. I should have done what you were doing, but I didn't, whatever. <laughs> so I moved back into his home. He got a really nice home in South Florida. And he said, listen, this whole suite is pretty much like a suite. My bedroom was as big as my uh, my apartment max i'm not lying <laughs> we gave me a really oh. big room at he said you have private interest everything only one rule because you have four kids no women the only rule <laughs> so obviously i'm like all right awesome three months later i couldn't make my car payment now i have to go to my brother and say hey i'm really in a jam not only am i living here i can't i can't pay for my car I can't, I, I'm to the point where um, on one, I, I had had two cars that had a Corvette and I had a Toyota that I used to drive around for work. And uh, I got so poor there for a while. I, I had to put used tires on it because I, I couldn't afford tires, you know? So here right. I am living in my brother's house. I'm too embarrassed now to ask my brother for help. Obviously, I'm already staying there. Right. But he noticed I really wasn't eating a lot. He knew I was acting kind of weird. So, you know, I, I told him, I said, I have no money. So he's, I tell you what. As long as you're living under my roof right now, I'm going to treat you like, well, like you're one of my kids. I'm not going to see you like that. So my brother and my sister-in-law started writing me a check every month for 2,500 bucks. I didn't know what to do. I broke down crying, right? I mean, here, I don't, 
I'm, I'm telling you, I don't have like a hundred bucks in the bank. And my brother's stroking me a check for 2,500. And I told my brother, I have no idea how I am ever going to repay you this money. And he told me, when the time is right. That was it. No animosity every month. And he said, I'm going to give you more than what you need for your carpentry because I want you to live. I want you to be able to go eat. Not, you know, I, I want you to be able to, if you need to go buy something, go and buy it. So I was there, and uh, but that's when my life changed. My life changed one morning because I, I was down in the dumps and, you know, you have all kinds of bad thoughts in your head sometimes. And uh, Oh, yeah, I know. My brother walked into the room one day. He knocked on the door, came in a room, and he told me, listen, you're a, you're a grown man. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I am going to give you just one piece of advice. It's the only advice that I can give you. You cannot let anybody determine whether you have a good day or you have a bad day. Not a girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, brother, sister, anybody. He said, you got to get out of your head and you got to get up in the morning and tell yourself, basically, this shit ends. This is over. I got to start living again. Joe, so he walked out the room. I started bawling like I was dude, like an infant bawling and i remember sitting on the carpet and saying my god this is rock bottom i mean for me right now this is this is rock bottom the following morning i woke up was ready before my brother said let's go to work and i hopped in his truck during this time while i was living there i wasn't even working i, I was not in a very good place and he knew it so he just right. let me be and then uh once we had that little conversation the following morning i got up i said you know what I gotta help. I gotta do something. So I started hopping in his truck every day, going to work with them every day, and that kind of got me going. And then my life started to change. Uh, I met my my beautiful and wonderful, amazing wife that I have, who's the complete opposite of my of my ex. My current wife supports me in any crazy idea. And then all these podcasts are only so long. I can tell you all the crazy ideas that I've come up with, and she and she supports me in every single one of them. So. I have an awesome 14-year-old stepdaughter that's like my mini-me. Uh, she's being homeschooled right now. I'm, we're you know, teaching her real estate already, how to be an entrepreneur, all the things that weren't teach the guys that you and me when we were young. You know, so just trying to don't hand her anything, just teach them and what they do with it. It's on them. But right. give them, at least give them the opportunity to figure right. it out. Exactly. You know, so, um, so my life really changed. I, I think... Again, another defining moment that was definitely. And my brother, uh, you know, by the way, Eric is hands down, uh, Max, hands down, the guy that I respect the most on this planet. Talk about a guy who's done it right, no education, family man for amazing kids, wife, gets up in the morning, don't have to work anymore, gets up in the morning, goes to work every single day. That is the man that I admire hands down the most, no doubt. Man, you know, like when you were telling me that story and you know we all have our moments where we're at our lowest right and you were telling me how you're i mean one i gotta say um how awesome that is that your brother and your sister-in-law were there and they let you just go through that journey of self-discovery right because yeah. who knows if they would have been like let's just say nagging in one ear nagging in the other ear what might have happened right but i think your brother knew he knows you, right? So he's like, I just got to let him be, right? He's going to find his way. And then if he doesn't, I'm going to give him my little piece of advice, right? right? And 
what greater advice, right? And then you're going to find out what that happiness means, right? Same thing, right? It's when your brother, like I got chills when you were telling me your brother said, you cannot let anybody dictate if you have a good day or bad day. He's like, I would love to shake your brother's hand for saying that. Cause that is like such a true statement. If you think about it, right? Mm-hmm. No one can control if we have a good day or bad day, right? That comes from us, right? How we look at the world, 100%. right? And, mm-hmm. um, all right. And to hear you and I could, I could just hear it in your voice and I could see it in your face, right? That was, yes, it was a difficult time, but it's a time I see that you look back on is like, you probably learned your greatest lessons back then, right? From your brother, from your sister-in-law, right? And how they treated mm-hmm. you and how they supported you, right? Um, um, yeah. I don't know if my brothers and sisters would let me go that long. They would have been like, get your ass in the car. You're going to work. I don't care if you got to go pick up. Right. Like I tell you, my sister, right, who had the five boys, right? We were never allowed to just sit in the house. I don't care if it was 120 degrees out. She'd go, you know, go outside, go rake some rocks, go get busy. Oh, I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> right. I'm not used to this, sister. I don't care. Right now, I'm your mother because mom's gone and you're going to go rake rocks. And I'm like, but we found a way to make money breaking rocks like that, right? We'd go to someone's yard, we'd make it look really, really nice lines in their rock yard, right? And, um, but when you're telling me that, like, I'm just, I was sitting there just going, like, I could feel your pain as you were describing that stuff, right? Because I know what that feels like. I've been in those moments. And then to have that moment of realization where you said, like, me, I'm either going to be successful or I'm not. And it's up to nobody but myself, right? And I loved how you said, you got up in the morning, you go, let's like, basically, let's get in the truck, bro. I'm going to help you any way I can, right? And and how awesome is that, that you had that example in your life? And you still have that, right? Of course. Um, um, so I love it, you know, when, when people get vulnerable like that with me. So thank you for doing that. Right. And because I think <laughs> it's important for my audience to know, right. That if they're struggling with something like that, you just shared with them something that they know now they're not alone, that sure. there's people out there that have gone through what they're going through. And that's mm-hmm. my whole idea for this for this podcast is to have my guests share their struggles, their challenges, and then their victories, right? So so now you've gone through that, right? You start helping your brother. So and you're becoming, you know, you're getting back into the entrepreneur game. You know, you have a lovely wife now and a, a lovely stepdaughter. So tell me like when does things start to click again and you're like, okay, oh, man. Like this is going good now and I'm not gonna stop. Once I uh once I started to build a little bit of a uh, steam, a little bit, you know, we just, just moving forward. I'm like, all right, all right. I was working for Caterpillar. I mean, like, yeah, so I've only had like three or four jobs. But during that time at Caterpillar, it's actually when I met Omar. At, uh, Omar was working now at the same CrossFit place that I was, and I see his, his truck from the brand that we were, uh, you know, associated with. <laughs> and uh, and um, I used to be a customer of his for years. I had no idea who he even was. But I met Omar and we started speaking and I, I was like a salesperson, a guy renting equipment. All right. And um, Omar said, dude, you're, you're way beyond that. You really need to focus. And I had a, a lot of interest in the brand we had. And uh, I told him, you know, how do I get in what I got to do? And he told me dude, you're a perfect candidate. You have experience. You have, you know, the background, whatever. And I called corporate. And they told me you need a hundred thousand dollars before we even kind of talk to you. And I'm like, 
All right. Mm-hmm. I look at my bank account and we got like three grand. Right. You know, like so my wife came home that night. We were living in a little townhouse in Davie, and I told her, listen, I want to open up a couple of franchises. And she's like, okay. And she's like, how much, you know, how much do we need? I said, we need a hundred. And she looked at me, how? <laughs> I said, well, that I haven't gotten to yet. But here's what we're going to do. We're going to live off my salary because I make a little more than you do. And we're going to put all your money away. Max, we didn't go on a vacation, a trip, uh, buy anything for, took me almost three years. But it's funny. Once I started building steam, putting the money together, crazy stuff started to happen. While I was in construction, I had a lady, the last job I did owe me $22,000. They didn't pay me. I had a lien on the property. I'm like, I'm sitting like at $55,000, right? Next thing I know, I get a call from my lawyer. Hey, I got a check here for you for $22,000. I'm like, okay. $22,000 stacked that on my 50 something thousand. I'm like, hey, man, we're actually getting closer. Yeah. Uh, my, my wife my wife and myself, we're going to get uh, married. Um, we were just going to go to Vegas and elope. You know, and next thing I know, her some of her family decided to come. So it turned to like a really small wedding. Her dad gave us fifteen thousand dollars at the wedding gift, and I'm like, Man. <laughs> I'm right on the edge now. I mean, now I'm like, I'm here. I can taste it now. Yeah. So I just started busting my ass, doing anything can to make some money. I reached my hundred grand. I called corporate. Said, here's the funds. I can verify the account. The I went in. Uh, they interviewed me, they approved me, and uh, Omar was a very inspirational part of my life back then, and he still is to this day. We talk and text often, awesome. probably too much, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but uh, he started to mentor me, he did, and uh, he just currently mentored me up to just like a, a couple of months ago. We're, we're still working on and off, like we probably always will. He's a great guy, and um. He helped me and we opened up our first store and I told my wife, hell, if I'm going to open one, I might as well open two or three. So I sold the little home that I had to move to go rent somewhere. And I turned or we turned $100,000 in a matter of three years. We had two of the better uh, stores in all of Florida, a top 15 store in the system. And when I exited the store four and a half years later, uh you know how we talk about 10x and all that right i have i have about 20x that money wow but there's a downside to it i almost lost my wife oh i was working i'm one of those guys that when i get focused on something it's like sometimes bad you know and right um you get that tunnel vision right like I'm gonna make it happen, and then you forget about everybody around you who's supporting you. Okay, I'm I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna make it happen. I'm gonna make it happen at all costs. And I did and for a while. I was working up, um, about a hundred hours a week. I'm not making it up. Every day, every shift, we open at seven in the morning, and we close at nine at night. And I had to clean, and you know, it just it was what it was. But um, I'm on vacation with my wife and my daughter in Fort Myers. And we uh, staying first time. I kind of took a little bit of a break, and we're um, in for Myers, beautiful place on the beach. And I'm driving, and my vision on my left eye started to get a little blurry. I'm like, man, that's kind of weird. Um, you know, I'm getting older. Maybe I need glasses, whatever. My vision started getting worse. Well, about two days later, it moved from my left eye to my right eye. So I said, all right, 
this is not a vision problem. There's something going on here. This is not normal. And I wasn't feeling well. Again, I, just, I was in the process of opening my last door, working seven days a week, 70, 80 hours, losing weight, not eating, working, whatever, obsessed. <laughs> and um, I remember uh, getting back and when I went to go see, a, you know, like a regular eye doctor thinking I just needed glasses. And as soon as the doctor saw me, he says, you got to go see an ophthalmologist like right now. But, you know, in today's world with insurance and referrals and <laughs> I know, right? I finally get to see an ophthalmologist and he looks at me and he says, you're going to the ER right now. I'm like, what? He says, he told me, son, the reason why you can't see or you're losing your vision because I lost the vision on my right eye. What is is for it's like for my short vision for like my reading eye. Right. I couldn't read. I couldn't read a text. My wife had to read my text to me. I couldn't read. I was basically legally blind Oh wow! on my right eye. When you put the chart in front of me, I couldn't make one letter. Wow. So he, he says, you have so much brain fluid in your in your head so, so much pressure in your head from from extra fluid that is crushing the optic nerves so i'm like why is it you have some sort of infection so i'm like they take me to the hospital you know i go to the ER, whatever and you know first thing they do blood work whatever and they told me nothing really showed up as much of my blood but it was the weirdest thing max because i can see the infection moving through my body it looked like a movie oh wow yeah and um they tap my spine and uh I, it was like something you see on a on like a tv show or a movie i couldn't see out of my right eye they tap my spine because the average person i think has like seven and a half or eight like psi of spinal pressure uh, of like spinal fluid pressure right. i had 11 and a half wow so they had to release a ton about 45 minutes later the vision of my right eye came back and i'm like Okay, and they told me your vision may never come back because optic nerves don't come back, but whatever. And um, I basically got like a like a form of meningitis because I was sick. I was working. I wouldn't stay home. I didn't take care of myself. And here I am laying in a hospital bed with three of the best stories in the entire system. And I remember again, my brother always giving me you know wisdom. Um. You know, they wouldn't let anybody in a room because I had I had an infection. So I remember like I just talking to him on the phone and he told me, um, uh, you've been doing it wrong for too long. I keep telling that you, you work way too hard, man. You're a you're you're a smart guy, you're working yourself to death. Like I told you that before, what you did is good, but your vision's gotta be bigger. You're not meant to be a hundred hours a week in the store. You're meant to be chasing the things that you really want to do in life, not sitting behind a bar making smoothies. You need to find a better way of doing it and you need to find it now, or I don't care how much money you make. I was doing pretty well, all right? He right. said, you're going to end up dead. And you worked and worked and worked and didn't even enjoy it one bit. And uh, I remember I was afraid for my life because, you know, when you have six doctors to walk into your room in the morning, there's a reason to be concerned. <laughs> yeah. and uh right you think six yeah oh, lord six. help me i'd have been Every, like <laughs> everything anything ended with the word gist cardiologist radiologist you know anything <laughs> was anything. there right and i remember uh um the doctor telling me if i would have waited another they told me you know i don't know how operate it whatever they, they told me you know another week to 10 days i probably wouldn't be having that like conversation with them because um the average person if you have like eight percent of bacteria in your blood you feel sick when you have about 11 to 12 those are like flu-like symptoms 
I was at 100% concentration. Dang. But they even talked about giving me a blood transfusion and, and everything to get rid of this, of this infection because I had it and it was very curable. All I had to do was go in and get a shot and it would have gone away. But again, work, work, goals, 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 next step, next step, next step. And uh, they were concerned that the infection might, well, I did, and it went through all of my organs, right? So uh, I remember I told my, I got home from the hospital and I told my wife, we're selling the stores. Because when, when I was laying in bed, Max, I, I don't care how much money I had in the bank. I don't care how much money we were making. I remember I've always been, um, I guess it's maybe not the most um, like, you know, spiritual person. I guess you can say I've always believed in God my whole life. And I prayed on and off. I remember that night and it was fortunate. I had this nurse, this little redhead nurse who grabbed my hand and started praying for me. And I'm like, man, this lady doesn't even know me. But she had, she had enough faith and enough belief that praying right now at this moment is going to make me better. And I remember she walked out of the room and I'm like, wow, that's like, you know, to me, it was like, wow, why, why would somebody do that for me? All right. That, my friend, is and, called divine intervention right there. <laughs> I believe, right? When someone shows up and does that, I believe that's, yeah. my faith tells me that was God sitting with you telling you it's going to be all right, but you got to make some changes. Are you going to lose, you know, then your family's not going to have you. I mean, to share that, right? Like, I mean, it, it's one thing to work hard, right? We want to keep our promises to our family. We want to keep a roof over their head, right? But at what expense do you do that, right? At the expense of your, yeah. almost your vision, almost could have died because of that, that infection, right? If you didn't, um, sure. but I also get your part, right? Where like, I got to make this happen because nobody's going to do it for me. So I got to work hard to pay the bills and to make my dreams come true, right? So. In hearing that, uh, JC, like, I want you to share, like, what was the biggest lesson that you learned in that whole thing you just went through, right? And so they can understand what you went through, and then you could maybe teach my audience a lesson about stuff like that, right? I mean, yeah, I believe in hard work. I don't believe in free lunches, as they say. My, I remember yeah. seeing it, you know, there's no free lunches or whatever. Um, sure. <laughs> but I also believe that you got to take care of, because if you don't take care of you, there's going to be no one to take care of your family. Right. Yeah. And, and making all that money in the world is not going to do you any good if you're pushing up daisies, as they say. Right. Sure. So what is that lesson that you learned in that process that you went through of, right. And then ending with that nurse praying for you. Um. Well, I think, I think once I, got out of the hospital uh i said to myself okay this is not the way that this is not what i'm going to leave behind this is not the way that i'm you know that i'm going to go uh what what is it that i'm really looking for what is it that i'm really chasing and at the end of the day uh you know it's really freedom and it's just the ability to live on your terms at the end of the day that i guess you know i think everybody has a different level of what they consider to be successful right i mean there might be a guy that you know, lives in a very moderate home and he lives well and that, that's his level of success and everybody, has, you know, has a different level. Mine's a little high, <laughs> you know, higher sometimes. Right. And, uh, but but I think I, I think what it definitely changed for me is like, okay, you can still be successful, but there has to be a better way to be successful. Because what I'm doing right now, clearly, 
it's just not working. Right. So we decided to sell the stores. Um, like I said, I had really three really good stores. So I knew that I they didn't even hit the market and I already had like buyers, which is, which is kind of great. But it gave me the opportunity to do what I've always wanted to do my whole life since I've been a little kid, which is be around real estate. I love, uh, I've always wanted to be, I, for whatever reason, a landlord, landowner type of deal. Um, I've always liked the process of seeing a home that looks just trash. And when you finish with it, there's a, there's a satisfying feeling yeah. to it that you started a task and you actually completed it. And when you, when you see it, you're like, wow, man, that's like, you know, okay. So you feel good about yourself. Um, so now I've been fortunate to, again, I've had a lot of blessings in my life and man, uh, I've been fortunate to partner up with, um, a man named Chris Rude, who's really big in real estate. And, uh, he offered me a partnership and I'm like, why would this guy offer me a partnership when he has like, you know, hundreds of students and he only has a handful of partners. So, um, he just basically told me when I, you know, when I asked him, why did you offer me that? He says, I see the type of personality that you have. I see that you're a guy that if you tell me that you're going to do it, that you're probably going to do it. Right. Uh, you seem, you know, honest, sincere, and, uh, you seem to be like a family man. I said, That's why I was working a hundred hours a week. It really wasn't for me. If I wanted to take care of my family, right? You know, so uh, I just figured out a better way of doing it, and now we're uh, we we just moved to Jacksonville. My wife just became a realtor. Things are starting to move in in the right direction. I got some deals flowing right now, so uh, I have the potential to make a lot more, and maybe even what I was making before. But here's the beautiful part, Max. I get up in the morning. I go to the. I have like a routine in the morning. You know, I since my um issue that i had uh, i get up in the morning and i pray every day um i read a a verse of gospel every day and i pray and i read about it and then i try to meditate a little bit which i'm still not very good at too much chatter in my head but i'm working on it right then after that we we you know go to the gym and that's how we start our day so to me that's kind of more what i'm looking for because when i was in the franchise i was on the clock 24 7. you don't know when the phone was going to ring you don't know when somebody was going to call out at 5 30 in the morning and you got to right. go run and open the store. That level of stress is gone from my life. And when I mean it's gone, I I still get up early, but I don't get up looking at cameras or, you know, did somebody show up to work? Right. I get up and that's how we get up. I come, I come to my little room that I'm in now. I pray, I meditate. I do gratitude because I am grateful for every... Man, I had Thanksgivings where they buy me a Happy Meal. I am not making that up. We had no money. But as a little kid, you don't know, dude, a Happy Meal, awesome. Yeah, that, to that you know? Thanksgiving right there, I got my Happy Meal. Hell yeah. Right. You know, so, <laughs> and yeah, it's just the way it was. So I, I am grateful for every single thing in my life. But I think that there's been, again, I think those are the three biggest shifts that I've had in my life that have been definitely defining moments for me and have shaped the way I think that my life is going to continue to go for pretty much the rest of my life. I mean, I'm. Um, I think I'm in the right business right now. Um, I love what I'm doing because I feel like at the end of the day, you know, people look at us and say, oh, you guys are wholesaler flippers. You can look at me that way. I'm actually, I'm actually helping people. I'm, I'm, we're, we're, we're gentlemen. I'm getting people who are about to lose their home or someone who just the home is so ragged, they can't fix it. So I am solving people's problem. We just put a home under contract for a lady who's 73 years old, has leukemia, who's really sick. The home doesn't meet code, so she can't sell it. Wow. Am I going to turn a profit? Of course I am. Am I helping her get her out of a huge jam? 
course I am. So if I go and do something and I don't feel like I'm doing it for the right reason or the right cause, you can keep the money, man. I don't need it. I'll, I'll go make my money somewhere else. It's just the it. way it is. Right. So if I can't genuinely feel like I'm serving and I'm helping, I don't see the point. And that's where I'm at in my life right now. Am I going to be successful? I have a lot of faith in myself and a lot of confidence and I pray every day. So <laughs> I'm hoping that that level of, of you know, success comes back to me. But um, And I'm sure it will. But uh, I think I'm more grounded now. Um, I think that some of the simple things in life now make me happy that I, I might have missed in the past because you're right. so consumed and overwhelmed. You know how people say, stop and smell the roses? Well, now I am stopping and smelling the roses a little bit more. You know, my wife and myself walk our dogs every day for like 20 minutes and we have a great, you know, a walk in there when the sun's going down, we chat and, uh, you know, I am smelling the roses a little bit more. So, yeah, I love it. I it's definitely love it. a good thing. See, man, there's always a lesson to be learned. So that's, there's a saying that I learned from a, a, my buddy of mine that, goes like this lean into the suck right which you have just done right because what happens is, is when you lean in there's a lesson you need to learn and then I love how you just explain how you learned that and how that has affected your life and it has actually benefited your family um so thank you for sharing that man that was that was awesome um so now I get to ask you my questions right okay. so leading up into this right because you just went through some stuff right so um I wrote a book called Fearless Happiness. That's what I named my podcast after, right? Oh, so, okay. Okay. so fearless. Oh, um, JC, what does fearless mean to you? And how does that show up in your life on a daily basis now that you've gone through all that stuff? Uh, I think fearless now for me at the end of the day is, uh, I think most people are just fearful or like afraid or you know the chatter they have going on in their in their brain I, I i understand that most of us can't really quiet it but you've got to have something deep inside you that you you have to have a belief in yourself that you can actually do it man Absolutely. and fearless to me is i have a lot of noise a lot of noise in my head believe me i do <laughs> but i have um enough faith in myself especially through all the things that i've been through in life and the business that i've owned and the way that i that i grew up that how much harder can anything really be in life if you're willing to just, you know, tune in, do what it is that you have to do? So fear, fearless to me would be trying to quiet the noise and believing that you have the actual ability to do whatever it is that you truly want to do. I love it. I love it. Well, you kind of explained happiness to my audience in a way, you know, but I want to hear what. OK, so I put a why in happiness, right, for a reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and it's not because I didn't know how to spell. <laughs> so knowing yeah, I, I put the, hey, you know. right. <laughs> so knowing I put the why in happiness, what does happiness mean for you, and how does that show up in your life on a daily basis? Oh man, happiness I think has changed uh, for, or at least the way that I, you know, perceive happiness, especially since my illness. Because right now, what I find is uh, simple things in life are the things that are making me happy. It's not the money. It's, it's not the fame. I don't, I, you know, if I had a choice to be rich and famous or just be rich, I'll take rich all day. I don't want the fame. <laughs> so just happy is uh, being able to get up in the morning and live life on my terms right now. Um, being able to spend as much time as I want with my family, uh, travel with my family. I'm, I'm, we own a motorhome, So traveling for us is like a big thing, you know? So uh, I think um, 
one thing that I have now that I didn't have before, and I think this is where some of the happiness comes from. I think I, I even though I struggle like everybody in every day, believe me, I think for the first time in many years, I have some peace in my life. And that knowing that I have the peace and the praying that I'm doing, I feel, I, I feel like I'm getting connected again. That brings me happiness because I know that that makes me be a better person. And the, the better I am with myself, the better I'm going to be with my wife, the better I'm going to be with my daughter, and the better I'm going to be with everybody who comes around me. I love it. Absolutely love it. Thank you for, for sharing that, right? And if you listen, audience, right, that, that happiness for him comes with, it comes in from here, the heart, right? And, um, yeah. and, and thank you for sharing that. You just gave me goosebumps again there, JC. And I love it, right? Because you mentioned something too, right? And that's a promise I'm going to keep to my wife. Eventually, we don't want a big motor home, but we want one big mm -hmm. enough for the two of us where I can, even if I'm working, I can stop, pull over, right? Get on the internet and do what I got to do. But, uh, um, you know, that to me is like awesome. you said, happiness is having that freedom to live life on my terms. And it doesn't always mean the money or whatever. It's you just, got it. right. It, it's being with the ones I love and, and being happy and watching the joy in their faces because I'm in their life. Right. I love it. Um, well, I was going to let you go, but of course, you know, I get to ask you one more question before we All go. Right. But I'm going to ask you this before I, I let you go. So say okay. if somebody wants to reach out to you, right, because they just they want your help with something or whatever uh, or work with you or whatever, ask you to mentor them. Now, how can they get a hold of you, JC? Uh, well, my my social media is my name, uh, JC Castro on Facebook and on Instagram. It's JC REI, real, real, real estate investor basically so that's really much how you find me i'm kind of new on the social media platform i've been on it but never really used it so but yeah that's uh that's definitely the best way to reach out to me and I, hey if anybody has any questions any help again i'm here to serve in any capacity that i possibly can i love it i love it a go-giver everybody hear that be a go-giver puts a smile on your face there's a reason <laughs> jc's smiling is because he's a go-giver right <laughs> awesome all right so before we go, I mean, and you and I could talk, we could have stayed here another hour or two, right? Um, it, it was great having you on the show, JC. And thank you so much for, for blessing me and my audience with your presence. But before we go, there's one more thing I get to ask you. And that is, sure. what is the one piece of advice you would give my audience that will help them become a better human being so that they can serve and help others? First and foremost, I think that you really have to get comfortable in your skin. Um, like what I'm doing now, this this is hands down one of my, one of my biggest fears. I mean, I've had a speech impediment the majority of my life, so uh, I tend to stutter and I have a lisp, obviously. And uh, this is hard for me to do. But basically, I told my wife, I said, you know, my wife is breaking through barriers that she's that you know she's uncomfortable. And you know, I said, I don't I don't have to tell you to get you know comfortable being comfortable. Right. I think that you have to be able to accept who you are, shut out, you know, drown out the uh, noise that you have, and just have a belief in yourself that you can uh, do anything and achieve everything. Because I am telling you, if a Hispanic, un uneducated guy like me and my brother and some people that I know are able to do the things that we're able to do, I promise you, it's not hard. I'm not going to say it's not hard. I, there has to be a shift. If you're willing to make the shift, and you're willing to make the commitment, 
man, I can promise you it will absolutely, it will work in anything it is that, that you really want to do in life. So I just think that people give up too easy. What because I hear of all the noise in the head. Right. So what I'm hearing is don't quit on yourself. You cannot quit on yourself. You cannot quit on yourself. You got to have this, this crazy belief, which I, I don't know, you know, where I got it from. Like I said, I just, I've always felt like I can achieve things. Uh, I struggle, you know, achieving them. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I think that you got to have this ability to, to just look at yourself in the mirror and say, you know what, man, I can do it. And I do stupid things. Sometimes like I'll write down a, you know, affirmation or something. And I look at myself because I, I got to have this belief in me because I've had it the majority of my life that you can do anything that you really want to do in life. You just have to have um, the belief in yourself that you can do it. That, that's just, to me, that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Don't let anybody it. tell you what you can and can't do. See that? You hear that? Yeah. Hear that? The only limitations we get is the ones we put on ourselves. I love that, Myself. JC. Right? Believe in yourselves, everybody. You heard it from JC. Um, thank you again for being here, JC. So if you, you out there in my audience, if if JC made you smile or like me almost <laughs> cry, uh, made you go, hmm. If he made you think... Please leave a five-star review so other people can find the podcast. Uh, I appreciate you all for being here. I appreciate you, JC. Thank you so much. Uh, and we're probably going to have to do this again because I want to get you on here again. But thank <laughs> anytime. You here. Yeah. So, and Max, again, thank you. Thank you from 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 like the bottom of my heart, man. I really appreciate this. And uh, when I start up my uh, my you know podcast, I'm going to have you as a guest. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> All right, you heard that, everybody. So if he doesn't have me on after the few three, we're going to go hit him up, okay? Anyway, thanks for being here, everybody. And until next time, I'll see you later. Bye, guys. You've been listening to Fearless Happiness. The numbers on addiction are absolutely stunning. Max lived in addiction for years and during that time made some terrible choices, losing his family, friends, and career. But he turned his life around. And now, Max works as a substance abuse counselor helping people in their recovery. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun along the way. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at maxnaced.com on Facebook at max.naced. Till next time, keep the fight and we'll see you soon.